Jesus is good. You know, when you worship Jesus, who do you picture? <laughs> As that song says, he's, he's the king of kings. <laughs> he's the breath and living water. He's the one in whom we live and move and have our very existence today. Do you worship him? Do you adore him? If you haven't seen reason to, I would encourage you to look again. This is Jesus, the son of the living God. We have the opportunity to worship together. It's, it's a beautiful thing to be able to worship together. Uh, it's a beautiful thing to be able to worship the Creator. And uh, today we have an opportunity to study the Word, the Word of the living God. And before we do, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, you are really the only one who understands the condition of our hearts. You are the only one who knows the exhilarations and joys of the week that has passed. You are the only one that really knows the burden and the hurt and sorrow of the week that has passed. And yet, God, you are the one who really knows how to supply all of our need according to your riches and glory. And so today we come, we come with open hearts and empty hands, and we just ask God that you would, you would be our all in all today. We want to be able to find that it is sweet to trust in Jesus today. And so we're praying that you would cause us to see who you really are in your word, what you've really planned for us. I pray that as we study these words today, it would be more than just an exercise, an intellectual exercise God, I pray that we would hear the living God speak to our very existence. That in the same way God said, let there be light, and there was light, that you would speak a promise into our very existence today. God, may this be more than just ink on paper. May this be life to our souls. Thank you that when we come like this, uh, we can have the assurance that you're going to answer because, not because we're worthy, but because we're praying in the name that is worthy. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Let everyone say, Amen. 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 Last week, we started a new study. This is a, a new year. Does it still feel new to you? I'm still having trouble writing 2016 at the very end of things. But it, it, it is a new year. It's, a, it's an opportunity to think about what God has in store uh, from here on. And li like we mentioned last week, you know, our, our seminar, or at least our series title, is called Made to Thrive. And, and maybe you looked at 2015 and you just kind of wiped your eyebrows and you said, Whew, I'm glad I made it through that one. You know, I, I believe that God has built us not just to survive and not just to get by, but to thrive. You know, we saw a picture of what it is when God thinks about your life and my life, he actually has a picture in mind. And last week we looked at Psalm chapter 1. Do you remember it? It said, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is where? Does anybody remember? It's in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. And this picture is further described in Psalm chapter 1, verse 3. It says, He shall be like a, a tree. 
I don't know, when you look into the mirror, if you ever think like, I do look like a tree. No. Anyways, um, <laughs> that's what we call bedhead. Anyway, um, no, no, but when, when Jesus, when God looks at your life, he pictures a tree. And it says in Psalm 1 verse 3, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers. There's a freshness, there's a vitality And because we are a tree like that, we are not a tree that's withered, that has lost all of our leaves. No, no, no. And if if you've ever passed by the the front of our house, you'll see that there's a tree that is definitely withered. (laughs) Uh, God knows how to resurrect all things, you know. (laughs) Anyways, but there is a picture in Scripture that says we are like a tree planted by rivers of water, bearing fruit in its season. God has made us to thrive. God has made us to thrive. And this month, as we're just kind of working through this this series, Made to Thrive, we're looking at pictures of tree-like discipleship. What does it take to be a tree? In Psalm 1, it's it's the one who meditates in the law day and night, who who says that this is the word of God, and as I have face time with him in this living word, he is the one who makes me like a tree. And today, we're going to take a look at another passage. We're going to look in Jeremiah chapter 17 because there is another picture of tree-like discipleship. So take a Bible. Take a Bible maybe in the pew in front of you or on your mobile device. Maybe you brought one with you. Go with me to Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah is an Old Testament book. Jeremiah 17 and the the theme verse is verses 7 and 8. So if you're in the habit of taking notes, you'll find some space on the back of your bulletin there to take some notes. Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8 is our theme for today. Jeremiah, it's in the Old Testament. It's right before uh, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, right after the book of Isaiah. If you found it, go ahead and say amen. All right, Jeremiah 17. And before we read our theme verses of verse 7 and 8, I just want to take a look at where we're at when we, when we open the book of Jeremiah. For those of you who were following along with last quarter's uh, Sabbath school lesson, you know that Jeremiah was a prophet that God raised up at a time when God's people were on the verge of captivity. God's people... We're supposed to be his covenant people. God was supposed to have a special relationship with Israel. And Israel had broken that relationship time and time again. God had been patient. God had gone after his people to to try to woo them back over and over. Yet, Yet the people of God broke that covenant time and time again. And Jeremiah was raised up to be a prophet at a time in which it was because of their habitual unfaithfulness But God said, hey, it's time for captivity. Maybe this will shake them up. This is the choice that they're making, and so I will honor that choice. And so Jeremiah, if you read through the whole book, I think it's, what, 52 chapters long or whatever. But it's a a mixture of messages. It's a mix of pronouncements of judgments. Hey, captivity is coming. But then it's also a mix of promises of restoration. That though captivity is coming, though captivity is what you've chosen, God still has the ability to make you his people. God still has an ability to, like Jeremiah 24, verse 7 says, to give you a heart to know him. Wow. As Jeremiah 31 says, God is able to to forgive your trespasses and cause you to remember them no more. Wow, this this is the God who is able to bring us back from captivity. 
And in Jeremiah 17, we're, we're kind of in the middle of, of one of these pronouncements of judgment. At the very beginning, if you just kind of let your eyes glance at verse 1, Jeremiah 17, verse 1, notice it starts with a reminder of how severe and how deeply ingrained the people's sin really is. It says, The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron. With the point of a diamond, it is engraved on the tablet of their hearts and on the horns of your altars. Verse 1 gives us a picture that their sin is so deeply embedded in their lives, there's no magic eraser to get rid of it. It's a, it's a, it's a diamond point. It's a pen of iron. These are tools of permanence, and maybe some of us know what it's like to feel as though our sin, or the guilt of our sin, or the consequences of our sin, we have no idea what to do with it. And so maybe you resonate with these people. They're just feeling like their sin is always before them. Verses 3 and 4, it just kind of reminds them that, hey, this, this is the captivity that is the natural result of choosing this life of sin. And then if you just go down here in verse 4, it says, And you, even yourself, shall, shall let go of your heritage which I gave you. I will cause you to serve your enemies in the land which you do not know. This is just the expectation. Captivity is coming, and it's not something that God looks forward to. Don't get the wrong picture. It's not that God is saying, well, good riddance, you know. No, 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 no. God has not turned his back on his people. His people have turned their back on him. And as God is pronouncing these messages of judgment, he is heartbroken over the broken covenant. And so in verse 5, he's revealing to them their true condition. And in verse 5, it says this. It says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in what? In man. Here in verse 5, it's a description of the very opposite of the blessed man, right? Of Psalm 1. It's the very opposite of the blessed person. We, we found last week that the, when Psalm 1 is describing the blessed man, well, it, it's talking about the blessed life. The life that's truly designed of divine origin. The, the life that's truly ideal. The life that God has designed for you and I and every one of us. And so here, this description of the cursed man is it's the very opposite. It's not the life of divine origin. It's the life of human construction. It says, The cursed man, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart does what? Do you see it? Verse 5, whose heart departs from the Lord. And this is the honest truth, friends. If you ever find trusting in yourself or in other people around you, guess where your heart is going? Departing from the Lord. If you had no, this is just kind of the, the basics of spirituality, that the more I trust in myself, the farther I'm walking away from Jesus. The more I trust in other people around me, the less I'm clinging to the living water. Cursed is the man who trusts in man, whose heart departs from the Lord. And notice in verse 6, what does this life of trusting in self really look like? In verse 6 it says, For he shall be like a... What does your Bible say? A shrub. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert. And this is no knock on shrubs. Shrubs are very dignified. Let's, let's give them credit. What the, the word is really indicating is the locale of this organism. It's not so much that shrubs have some 
hierarchy in, in God's sight, that, that they're less valuable to God than trees. No, it's where the shrub is. Where is it? It's in the desert. And he shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. This is definitely not a picture of thriving. Do you see that? Yes or no? Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is the shrub-like experience. This is the surviving experience, not the thriving experience. And this is the natural cause and effect. In verse 5 it says, Your heart has departed from the Lord. Well, when you depart from the Lord, guess who you're departing from? The source of life. Actually, just let your eyes glance down to verse 13. Go down to verse 13. It says, O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you shall be ashamed. Those who depart from me shall be written in the earth because they have forsaken the Lord, the what? The fountain of living waters. When we persist in trusting ourselves or trusting other people or anything of human origin, we're actually departing from the Lord, departing from the fountain of living water. No wonder we're left to be like a shrub in parched places. We're left to be like a desert bush in a salt land. But God has made us for something, something completely different. God has designed you and me to have not just a shrub-like experience, but a tree-like experience. Do you believe that today? The Word of God says so. Let's keep reading. In verse 7, here it is. God has made us for something completely different. It says, Blessed is the man who trusts where? Trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. Amen. Blessed is the man. Okay, there's that phrase, blessed. Here's the, the blessed life. Here's the life divinely appointed for each and every one of us. And what follows after that phrase, blessed is the man, or blessed is, the one, blessed is that person, what follows, you're about to hear a recipe for a truly happy life. And what is it? It's the man who trusts. The man who trusts in the Lord. That word trust, do you know what that means? Well, when you think of trust, what, what other words, what other ideas come to your mind? Well, what does it mean to trust? Depend. Okay, very good. What else? Rely. There was another one. Loyalty. I like that. I like that. Faith in. Yeah, yeah. Reliance upon, depend upon, to have loyalty towards. You know, I heard of a story of a missionary who had gone to um, a particular country. I don't remember which one it was, or a particular uh, indigenous people in a country. And they had no Bible in their language. And as this man was trying to learn their language, he was trying to find a, a native word for trust. And the best thing that he came up with was when he saw somebody sitting on a chair, he said, oh, trusting in the Lord. It's when you put your full weight on the Lord. <laughs> and in that country now, wherever that is, I, 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 should, I should look up the details on that, but... Wherever that is, now when they think of trust, they think of putting their full weight on Jesus. Blessed is the person who puts their full weight. Where? In the Lord. There it is, right there. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. And I would suggest that this is the key distinction. This is the key because the truth is, both the cursed person and the blessed person, they both trust. Did you notice that? 
They both trust, but the distinction is what they trust in. What they lean upon, what they find their security in, what they depend upon, what they rely on, what they put their full weight upon. And according to the blessed person, or according to this verse, the blessed person puts their full weight on the Lord Almighty. It says there in the next phrase, whose hope is in the Lord. The blessed person has found that any ounce of security, any ounce of confidence that you may have, any, any sense of significance that you have in your life, any, any glimmer of hope that you hold in a sin-stricken world, it's found only in the Lord Jesus Christ. And what does this life of trust look like? According to verse 8, it's not like a shrub. Amen. All right? Let your eyes look at it. For he shall be like a tree. He shall be like a tree. And, and, and again, this is, like, this is almost word for word as it is in Psalm 1, verse 3. He shall be like a tree, but there are some different nuances. It says, He shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. You know, the passage that we looked at last week, in Psalm 1, when it's talking about the, the blessed person who delights himself in the law of the Lord, it says, he shall be like a tree, yes, planted by the river. So there are some similar things. Uh, the, the tree's fruit, the tree's leaf, these are things that Psalm 1 describes. But the things that Jeremiah 17 points out that the other passage doesn't, is it points out that those roots, they spread. They sp they're not just one place, but those roots spread. And the second thing is a description of, of adversity. Psalm 1 didn't have anything about a drought in it. Psalm 1 didn't have anything about heat coming. But notice how Jeremiah 17 puts it. He shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when what comes? When heat comes. But its leaf will be green, and will not be, what's the next word in your Bible? will not be anxious. Oh, how many of you are familiar with anxiety? <laughs> Man, even right now, my neck is actually tense. The other night, I, I woke up, I have no idea what was going on, but the other night I woke up and my eyebrows were just furrowed and my forehead hurt. <laughs> anxiety is, is a very real experience, but this tree it doesn't have to be anxious even when in the year of drought. California knows something a little bit about that will not be anxious in the year of drought. And notice, last part, nor will cease from yielding fruit. And so what Jeremiah's picture of a tree-like disciple is, is highlighting for us is that it's possible to thrive even in the most unfavorable circumstances. Amen. You know, earlier this week at, at 10 Days of Prayer, we were singing this song, Bless, Blessed Be the Name of the Lord. It says, blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me, when the world's all as it should be, blessed be your name. But then the next part says, blessed be the name when the road is marked with suffering, when there's pain in the offering, blessed be the name. Why, 
The, the tree-like disciple, he who trusts in the Lord, is able to thrive, not just in the most ideal of circumstances, but even in the most inclement conditions, even in the most adverse or extreme situations. The tree can thrive, and it says it'll even keep bearing fruit. And notice what uh, the words that are described here for those, uh, those adverse circumstances says, will not fear when heat comes. Are you familiar with things that make you sweat in life? I, I'm not talking about just the valley weather, no. I'm talking, what are the things that, that make you feel like you're under pressure? What are the things that make you feel like, I need a little space here? What are those criticisms? What are those disagreements? What are those broken relationships? What are those uncertainties? What are those things that cause the furnace of life to feel a little too hot? The tree-like disciple isn't afraid of that. And then it says, it will not be anxious in the year of drought. Things in life that make the fountain of living waters feel like it's so far away. What are the things in your life that make you feel as though you're very, very far from God? Those are the drought experiences that the tree-like disciple, they don't grow anxious over. Even when it's tragedy or loss, like many of us have experienced. Or maybe it's sin and it's guilt. Maybe it's sin and it's consequences. Maybe it's sin and it's constant temptations. And those make us feel like the fount of living waters is a, is a memory of, of yesteryear. But the tree-like disciple can still thrive. Why? Because they're trusting in the Lord. The resilience of the tree during those times, the Bible says they will not fear. The leaves stay green. Uh, what is it? They're not anxious. And it says that they're still, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Do you think that life is possible for you and I? The Bible tells me so. And how, how, how? Where does this spiritual stamina come from? Where does this stubborn, re stubborn refusal to give in to the adversity and extremity of life come from? It comes not from the arm of other people. It comes from the arm of the everlasting God. The Bible says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. And so where does this tree-like experience come from? On the positive side, it comes from choosing intentionally, deliberately, to trust in Jesus. Now I realize that even just by saying that, that might sound like cliche and oversimplistic and things like, well, yeah, I picked that up in Cradle Roll Sabbath School. And you should have. <laughs> Why? Because that's the bottom line. That is the bottom line. In the book of Revelation, it says, here's the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. Friends, if you have no faith, if you have no trust in him, if you're relying on things other than Jesus Christ, you've lost the big picture. You may be here. You may be here all the time. You may be here serving. You may be involved. But if trust in the Lord is not part of that experience, we're still like a shrub. So where does that spiritual stamina come from? It comes only as we deliberately, intentionally choose to trust in the Lord. 
And on the flip side, the flip side of that coin, the negative thing that we choose not to do is we choose not to trust in ourselves. We choose not the experience of the shrub, the the cursed man who trusts in man, who makes flesh his strength. We refuse to trust in any other strength, and instead we choose to trust him. There's a song we've been singing during 10 days of prayer, only trust him, only trust him. He will save you. He will save you. It's really that simple. Only trust him. And we can trust him even in the most extreme of life's heat and drought. I want you to turn uh, to, to another passage together. There's, there's another picture of the tree, <laughs> of a tree-like disciple. I want us to see this because this extremity, whenever we're in adversity, whenever we're in extremity, God can actually bring us around. Go with me to Isaiah. So if you're in Jeremiah, just go to the left one book. Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61, and it's in verses 1, 2, and 3. I just want us to see this. Isaiah 61, verses 1, 2, and 3. And when you've found it, go ahead and say, I found it. Isaiah 61, verses 1, 2, and 3. We can trust Jesus even in the most extreme of circumstances. These are words of an Old Testament prophet that Jesus himself, when he was on earth, in Luke chapter 4, he was actually quoting and reading these verses in the synagogue one day. And he actually applied these words to himself. Notice it says in verse 1, Isaiah 61, verse 1, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. Friend, you may be poor, but the Lord has good tidings for you. It says, He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Friend, are you, are you brokenhearted? He's able to heal you. To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called what? Trees of righteousness. Or maybe you says, your Bible says oaks of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Even in the most extreme of circumstances. Whatever your adversity, whatever your heat, whatever your drought, you may be poor, the Lord has good tidings for you. You may be brokenhearted, Jesus can heal you. You may be captive to sin, your past, your addictions, Jesus can give you liberty. You may feel unacceptable, he proclaims the year of acceptance. You may feel victimized. The Lord has got vengeance planned against the injustice and oppression of Satan and his schemes. He gives beauty for ashes, joy for mourning, Spirit of praise for your garment of heaviness. How? If only we trust him. (laughs) Jeremiah 17. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. If we only trust him to to supply all our need, even when we don't feel like it, even when it doesn't even look like around us that it's possible, 
And according to Isaiah 61, verse 3, he does this, he turns this around, that we may be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that, not that we should be glorified, not that, oh, I, I've got all this turned around in my life. No, no, no. That Jesus may be glorified. And I like how some verse, versions say it says that, that his splendor may be revealed. I like that. So, friend, what's your adversity today? What's the heat? What's the drought? You know, as I think about the things that we struggle to trust God with, I don't know, maybe this is an oversimplification of things, but, you know, we, we, we struggle to trust God just with the stuff of life, you know? The, the circumstantial things. You know, we, we, we struggle to trust God with the needs that we have, the unforeseen trials and challenges, the li- uh, life's twists and turns, or maybe the other thing that I... I I sense that we struggle to trust God with is not just the stuff of life, but the sin of our lives. You know, you may have been a Christian for years and decades, and yet sin is still something that needs to be crucified day by day. We all struggle with this. We all struggle to trust Jesus, not just with the stuff of everyday life, but the, stru- the, the sin of our moral lives the purity of our hearts and thoughts. We struggle to trust the Jesus with the temptations of sin, the guilt and shame of purity that's forfeited, faithfulness broken, intimacy with God that is lost. Friend, are you feeling heat? Are you feeling drought? Only trust Him. You and I can trust Him, not trust ourselves, not trust other people, not trust Dr. Phil, <laughs> not trust your Facebook comments, what, whatever. Only trust him. Amen. Blessed is the man, blessed is the woman who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. And when we do, we will not fear the heat, nor will we grow anxious when the drought comes. Our leaf will shine green. We'll bear fruit that remains for the glory of God. Others will still be able to see, even when it's in a time of drought, others will be able to taste and see that the Lord is good. By the way, Psalm 34, verse 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And then the next part, Blessed is the man who trusts in him. <laughs> so what are the practical takeaways? This is, this is really a simple bottom line. Okay, uh, what, what did I remember from this sermon? Only trust him. <laughs> okay, that's it. So, so what do we do? What do we do about that? How, how then? These are the two questions that come to my mind. How then? How can I grow trust? And then how can I express trust? Two practical takeaways. How can I grow trust? How do I express trust? And may I suggest this? How can I grow trust? I think this is where last week's sermon really kicks in. And if you missed it, you can go online and you you can listen to it, but you can just read Psalm chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3. How do I grow trust? Remember what the blessed man in Psalm 1 does? What does he do? Where is his delight? His delight is in the the law of the Lord, the revelation of God's character, the, the revelation of his word to you and I. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. How do I grow trust? It's as we get to know him. I mean, you don't just trust 
the stranger on the street. You trust people that you know. Isn't that true? So if you're struggling, how do I trust God? Get to know him. Go to his word. Read what he's done in the past and what he promises to do in your future. Get to know him. And, you know, in our human relationships, we trust those we know. And for those that we know, we only trust those whose characters, once we get to know them, we actually find to be trustworthy. (laughs) And so as you meditate in the law day and night, as you read stories, as you read promises, as you understand prophecies, you recognize, whoa, 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 this is a God who is love. This is a God who is good. This is a God I can trust. So how can I grow in trust? Get to know him. and Get to know him in his word. Uh, if you haven't had started a daily reading plan, start it. If you haven't taken time today, take time today. Get to know Jesus. The second question, how then do I express that trust? If if my trust is growing in Jesus, how then do I actually express that trust? I'm sure many answers could be given here. And it's not just because 10 days of prayer is going on right now that I'm going to suggest this, but I truly believe that one of the most profound and powerful ways that we can express trust in Jesus is by praying. Did you hear that? It, praying. Why do I say that? And I'm not just talking about those rote prayers, those memorized prayers that we pray kind of, you know, like uh, mindlessly or meaninglessly. No, no, no. I'm talking about conversation with God that's driven by confidence in God. We can express our trust as we pray. Maybe you're experiencing adversity or extremity, some heat or drought. Trust God with it. Trust God in it. Pray to God for it. Here's here's the thing. When you pray, when you're opening up your heart to God as to a friend, talking to God about it is an expression of trust. Think about the last difficulty you experienced. You didn't just talk with anybody about it. You talked about it with people that you trust. When you pray, you're talking to God about it, and that's an expression, God, I trust you with this. Now, prayer isn't just talking, it's also in the form of asking. When you ask God about it, that's an expression of trust. And then when you surrender that heat or drought, when you surrender that burden, when you surrender that person that you just, I have no idea what to do. When you surrender that, you don't just talk about it, you don't just... Uh, ask about it. You actually surrender that to God to handle it for you. That's an expression of trust. And then when you actually thank God for it, thanking God for answering and responding, whether you've seen the answer or not, that's an expression of trust. So how do I express my trust in God? Pray. Pray. Is Is that too simple? Or is this really the stuff that the tree-like life is made of? To meditate in the law of the Lord and to trust God through prayer. Friends, today I don't know. I don't know what circumstances you are going through, the stuff of life that God is inviting you to trust him with. Pray. 
I don't know what sin you're experiencing, what sin you're hiding, what sin you are agonizing with God to redeem you from. Pray. Only trust Him. Only trust Him. You know, we sang that song earlier today, it is so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take Him at His word. Do you want to trust Him today? Yeah? You know, right now, I, I really want to encourage you, friends, that if you haven't taken that heat or drought to God in prayer, that you would not wait another day. And it's not just, you know, throwing a penny in the fountain. <laughs> no, it's, God, I am putting my full weight on you in prayer. Ask him about it. Surrender it to him. Thank him for responding in the way that would bring most glory to his name. And if you haven't prayed with other people about it, unite in prayer today. There are opportunities. Every Sabbath, right after service, there's a small group that meets here in this committee room just to my side here. And they take special needs. Hey, let's pray about it together. 2 p.m. today, because it's the 10 days of prayer, it's a special time. We'll be in the youth chapel from 2 to 3, praying together. There's power. There's power when we trust Jesus together. And so if that's your desire, would you just join me in that chorus? Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him over and over. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Let's pray. Father in heaven, that's, that's what we need. We need grace to even trust you. Trust in you and faith in you. It's not something that we just kind of stir up in ourselves. It's something that you must give us. It's all for grace to trust you more. Father, I want to pray specifically for anyone here that has been seeking to trust you, maybe has been persisting and persevering and trusting you, and because it is becoming more difficult over time, they're feeling faint in their faith. I just pray, God, that you would boost them today with an extra measure of faith by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, turn their, their garments, uh, turn, turn their heaviness of spirit into garments of praise today. Turn their beauty, or turn their ashes into beauty, turn their mourning into joy. Father, please, do whatever it takes. I pray for those of us who are, who are just at the very beginning of our journey of, of trying to trust you, trying to get to know you so that we even know who we're trusting. And Lord, I pray that you would give each one of us a heart to know you as you have promised in Jeremiah 24-7. Lord, I pray also just for the, the family, the family of faith, the community that draws together that we would encourage one another in trusting the Lord. That when we talk to one another about our burdens, that we would refuse uh, the temptation just to leave it at that and to trust in man or to trust in other people, but that when, when others come to us or we come to others with our burdens, that we would have the discipline to trust in you, 
that we would have the discipline to seek you in prayer together. Oh Lord, I pray for the gift of prayer. Please teach us how to trust you in prayer. I pray, God, that in this new year, as we take these very simple, rudimentary, elementary dynamics of a tree-like disciple, that we would begin to experience what it's like, not just to get by, not just to hang on by a thread, but what it's like to be like a tree planted by rivers of water. Thank you, Jesus, that this is your life for us. We praise you. We praise you in advance for this experience. In Jesus' saving name, let the family say, Amen. Amen. God bless you, friends. There's, again, like I said, special prayer time for those who are needing that. And then uh, fellowship lunch. And then right after fellowship lunch at 2 o'clock, we'll be meeting in the youth chapel for united prayer. God bless.